0: the class was a, a b minus and you got a b plus that's great but he's like you know a was possible it wasn't like you couldn't get 100 on this this test or exam and it was like oh god here we go every time you came home with a grade and he he'll praise you uh, my mom would praise you you know you get you get blessed with things but it's like you could do you could do better if you wanted to and that was the thing it was always like you could do better if you wanted to and it was hmm. like why why do not not want why do i
1: want to settle what does wealth mean to you whether it's financial or the non-monetary things that kind of holistically define what's wealthy for you, it's funny you said that because
0: when you first mentioned the topic of of the journey of, of what we're recording here, and you mentioned these big names, and I'm like, I'm not nowhere near you know where some of them are you know financially, but when I look at my family, what we're doing, I'm like, we're wealthy for that reason. I was saying that I this morning my daughter was sick, and I was able to hold her. It was like seven seven thirty in the morning. I held her about 10 15 minutes. Mm. And I was, and he he's like and he was like I was like that's what I was grateful for. And he's like do you know if you had to go into an office mm. for someone else you wouldn't have been able to do that. I try to spend as much time as possible with my with my, my wife, my my daughter. And, and I know you see those entrepreneurs who are like always traveling and always grinding but it's like we're doing all this work to sp- we're doing all this work, we're making all this money. Isn't the goal to to do this for our family?
1: <laughs> Alright family, laughing our way in. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Wealth Blueprint series where we have conversations from the intersection of family and finance. I'm one of your hosts, D. Johns.
2: Philip Washington Jr.
1: So today we got an amazing show, got an amazing guest because that's all we do. Today is nothing different. We got the good brother, Anthony Ant Hartzog. Welcome to the show. How are you, my brother?
0: I'm good. Thank you, fellas, for inviting me here, and I'm excited for the conversation. Yeah, man. Thank
1: you for making that trek. I didn't realize it was going to be an hour. <laughs> I ain't know it until my wife was like, you might want to Google Maps. It might map it first. <laughs> yeah. It was worth it, man. Got my a lot of made, work done. Made that trip, but uh, thank you, nonetheless. the uh, For people that don't know you, some folks have been under a rock in our hmm. audience, so they don't know exactly who you are. How do you present yourself to others? Well, number one,
0: I'm a father. Uh, my name is Anthony Hartzog. Uh, I am a father. I am a husband. Uh, I own a couple of businesses, one of those businesses being a cleaning business uh, down here in Texas. Um, I I also owned a virtual assistant business that we recently moved over into our personal brand business. And then me and my wife, we have a podcast um, that's around
1: around personal finance, relationship, marriage, life. Uh, And that's me kind of in a nutshell. Dope, dope, dope. So the the obvious thing for me uh is your accent isn't from here <laughs> where's home let's talk about your, your kind of your origin story how you were brought yeah. up where you from and all that
0: yeah yeah so i've uh, been in dallas texas for seven years now born and raised in brooklyn new york uh canarsie from the projects uh, born in bed stuy actually in the 90s you know early 2000s drugs you know things like that my family lost our brownstone at a very early age so that forced me to move from bed stuy to Canarsie where I spent a lot of my um, adult life. Went to University of Albany, which is upstate New York. Graduated with a bachelor's in information science and minored in computer science and something else that I don't use today. And uh, after I graduated from college, I got a job in information technology. I worked in IT as a director for hedge funds, private equities. I was doing that for, I was at that company for 10 years, was in IT for a total of 15 years. And then been a full time entrepreneur now for three years. Been been in
1: entrepreneurship for seven years now. Dope, dope, mm-hmm. dope. So you, your your father and a husband. Did you make the shift to entrepreneurship after you became a husband or before? How did mm, that work out?
0: Good question. So, me and my wife, we got married in two thousand and. 2000, when did we get married? I can edit.
1: I can edit. <laughs> You're, good. Good. You're good. You're good. You put me in the
0: spot there. So, we've been married for, we got married, we got engaged. This is when they actually started. We got engaged in 2012. Okay. um And one of the things we did was we wanted to be, we wanted to come out of a wedding debt free. So, that was the first time we really put our finances together. And I said, in order for us to come out this wedding debt free, we need to start saving, we need to start investing. So, during that time, we had a joint checking account at Chase. And we were before just, you got married. Before we got married, Oof. this is in 2012. That <laughs> bro going deep. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is this this has really got me into this the mode I'm in today. 2012, we had a joint checking account at Chase, and we started putting like $500 a month into that account. Then during that time, I had a job, and I was like, "Yo, I need to put more money into this account." So I picked up another job. Um, drive. This wasn't Uber, but I was doing like grocery deliveries. I started um, reselling sneakers during that time. I'm a huge sneaker buff, buying sneakers, reselling them, and that got me into like the entrepreneurship bug. So when we did get married, that's when I said, okay, we had $114,000 of debt. And I said, in order for us to pay off this debt, that was my goal. I was like, all right, we got to pay off this debt. We got married. We put our finances together because I feel like that's what husband and wife should do. So we put our debt together and I realized we had $114,000 of debt. And I said, I want to pay this off as soon as possible. And in order to do that, I said, we have to build a business. We have to pick up more jobs. We have to create more income for ourselves. So that's really when the entrepreneurship bug you know, really hit for both of us. Mm-hmm. So it was before we got married, but it really took off when we got
1: married. So about seven years ago. Hmm. Was, that, was that always how you saw life? Because, I mean, that's <laughs> like I'm... You kind of called me to the carpet now because we didn't really have enough conversations about a lot of things, but specifically about finance. We both knew what we made and when we got married, we put our accounts together, but we never really talked about debt mm-hmm. and what a strategy was for that is Was that something that you learned at an early age or did it kind of hit you as, as an adult? It, where did that light switch click for you?
0: Uh, I would say at an early age, I didn't really know much about finances. I mean, my, my father and my mother, I knew that they worked. I knew they got paid and I knew I got an allowance. And I got an allowance when I did good at school and I always did good at school. So money wasn't a problem for me in terms of necessities, right? I didn't come from a I know, you know, projects, you think about drugs, you think about violence, but my family gave me everything that they could. So I never really said, we don't have anything. I always had, well, I don't always, I didn't have always have the latest Jordans, but she's like, if you, my mom and dad I was like, if you work hard, you'll get it. So that's when my, my mindset around money came. I was like, you work hard, you get more money. Um, my first job was packing in bags at a grocery store and I was 12, 13 years old. And I knew, okay, I go to this place, they give me money for showing up. And I was like, my mindset in order to get more money, I work more. So that's when my financial background really came um from an early age. It's like, all right, we gotta grind in order to get to this goal. And during that time, our goal, my goal was debt freedom. And my wife was like, my wife Janoka, she's like, nah, we're good. Nobody's paying off the debt. No one's talking about this stuff. Why do you want to do it? But I just knew that this wasn't, this we didn't have to be like everyone else. I don't know what triggered it, but it was like, we don't have to be like everyone else. And I think during that time I got into podcasts and I got into Dave Ramsey. Yeah. And he was a huge. And once I once I heard a story of a black woman. Who was able to pay off her debt? She had a Mercedes, and it had—I think the story was like she had bullet holes in the car. And Dave was like, "You can't sell this car," and she was like, "I'm gonna try." And she ended up not selling it for you know retail value. It had bullet holes and stuff like that. But she was able to <laughs> take that car, sell it, and eventually pay off her debt. And I was like, "If she could do it, she's from the project. We make, we're married, and we got a, we got all this income. Why yeah. can't we do it?" Um, and that's when I was like, we started hitting our goals a lot faster.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, what, what, um. You mentioned early podcasts, like what outside of Dave Ramsey, what were some other podcasts mm-hmm. that you listened to early on? I'm curious. Shoot, it was really hard seven, eight years ago to find black people
0: talking about money right. finances back then. So a lot of it was three hours a day of Dave of Dave Ramsey. But I would say Rich and Regular was a was a big influence on me back then. I actually got to to meet them. Those were probably one of the first people I heard, you mm-hmm. know, black couples talking about money and finances and relationships. And I was like, there are pockets of people talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's when we started sharing our story on the Heart Money page about us going, what we were going through, what we were going through. So that was probably one of the first ones. There was no uh, earn your leisure back then. There was really nothing like even this conversation here happening right. back then. So I would probably say those were like one of the first
2: two mm-hmm.
1: pockets I really started listening to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You mentioned um, in your mind, in conversations with your now wife, that we don't have to be regular. Mm-hmm. Like why do we, why do we accept average? Like, why do most of us accept, like, what are your thoughts? I mean, cause I would imagine, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe your circle is just like you, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe you stand out. And for those that stand out, I'm always curious as to why we believe that it's not that we're so different, but like, what are some of, some of y'all thoughts on why we accept average so readily?
0: Uh, uh, for me, it was knowing that there was more out there in life. Uh, that I got that from my, my father was really good at math, and he was just like, "You don't." He was like, "A." He's like, "Bs and Cs." You you could get away with that. He was like, "But why not get A?" So every time I came home with a report card, it was, he it wasn't that he was necessary. You know, um, he disproved of what I was doing. He was like, "You could do better." Like, why not? And I'm like, "Well, my my classmates got Bs. The average was was a B minus, and I got a B plus." He was like. Okay, that's cool, but you know you could you could get an A. A is possible, right? <laughs> right, right, right he was right. like, don't, I, don't get me wrong. He's like, if the average of the class was a, a B minus, and you got a B plus, that's great. But he's like, you know, A was possible. It wasn't like you couldn't get a hundred on this this test or exam. And it was like, oh god, here we go. Every time you came in with a grade, and he he would praise you. Uh, my mom would praise you. You know, you get you get blessed with things, but it's like you could do you could do better if you wanted to. And that was the thing. It was always like you could do better if you wanted to. And it was mm-hmm. like, why? why do I not want, why do I want to settle? Um, And I think my environment was a big proponent of that too. It was like, I saw, I saw, you know, friends and family get arrested. I saw friends and family get shot and at an early age, most of, I had a, a cousin group. It was like 10 of us, you know, either, you know, pregnant, in jail, dead, you know, we talking about before 20 wow. at this age. So it was like, I wasn't, mm. I knew I wasn't like them. I would go outside. We called ourselves baby kids, but right. I don't know if you guys remember the movie. There was this one kid who came from a, a up, I don't know, upper middle class, whatever, but he would never fit in. He was always the kid that was like, mm. eh, I'm not going to do that. And I remember one day they had jumped on the roof of this building. It was like a, it was like a one story a, a apartment or something. They had climbed up on the roof and the cops had came and I was like, I don't think we should do that. And I didn't go. So I didn't get in trouble. And I was like, I was always that kid that just was like, I don't have to do that. Um, Could have been instincts or what, but I just always knew that I didn't have to follow the crowd.
2: That was me personally. Yeah, man. I'm just, I'm just a big believer in like the, the, the term like relativity, right? Like relativity is, it's like, it's like, uh, I think about myself now, right? Maybe relative to other people, I stand out, but relative to like, uh, yeah expectations Jay, oh, okay okay yeah you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying like i'm not even in you know what i'm saying like and then and then and then you know there's beyond jay-z right because there's people who haven't been born as you know what i mean and so like i'm just a big believer in like borrowed faith and then and then learning to like create your own faith you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. like meaning like 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 you my father um i, I feel like i am uh beyond what my parents wanted you know for their life at any given age definitely and right and then like on top of that we're all living king's dream right and then be, you know what i'm saying and so i'm yeah. like uh there's just so many things that just push me that i can't explain but i just try to you know what i'm saying uh keep pushing and then and then pay that forward with other people. You know what I'm saying? Because so many people in our community, yeah. nobody believes in them. You know, I know that's off topic, but I think the the key is having other people who believed in me before I even knew what that meant. That's
0: that's the key. That is the key right there. Because yeah. even thinking back to my childhood, they they were like, "You're different. You don't have to do that." So there were there's somebody out there watching us. You know, watching you or you know when you were growing up that always. Believed in, he was like you don't gotta do that. Like yeah. you don't gotta be like them. You like yeah. you, you, you could do your own thing. And sometimes we're, when you're young, we're like nah, we want to do that stuff. Cause that's <laughs> that's what makes us fit in, right? That's what makes us feel good. That's what makes us feel comfortable. But when you start getting uncomfortable, people start recognizing, like, all right, you got something here. Like you don't have to follow the norm. Yeah. Um, so that that uh, to me that would be a key. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. another key key thing that you said, um, and how I interpreted was borrowed faith. I've spoken about this before, where up until a certain point I was living, I was still living off of my parents' faith because mm-hmm. my parents were um, not just religious, but I, I saw their relationship with God lived out, right? And I saw the fruits of it. I didn't necessarily walk in their path, you know, to a T. And in those moments, I would rely on them until I had my family. Um, number one, is is faith a part of your success and where does it kind of fit in in your journey? Yeah, man, I'm, shoot, I've, I've grown up in church and I think-
0: I think when you grow up at church, you come to an age where you realize, you know, you may or may not want to follow that. You're like, eh, Same. I think when you get to that age, that's when you really make a decision. Like you have to go, right. You got to grow. You got to go with your parents, your grandmother. Like I grew up in an environment, but I think until you become an adult and you're able to make your own decisions, that's when faith really comes into play. So. I grew up in church and I decided I'm at an age of 13 14 your parents give you the option not to go so you don't go anymore. Ooh, your parents
1: gave you the <laughs> option. <laughs> yes, yes, my parents <laughs> gave me the option.
0: <laughs> yes. We weren't as religious where mm-hmm. I was forced to go. It's like all right, you know, I'm going to go every other Sunday and that was pretty much the extent of of the religious faith in my household. Yeah. My father, you know, he read the Bible to us once in a while things like that. But until I became an adult and started making my own decisions when I moved back down to Brooklyn in 2014, I think. My wife or her mom and her family always went to church. And I'm like, we're dating around this time. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm gonna start going with you to church. And I was like, I want to see what what I've been missing all these years. See what you why you guys go. And I think that was what what, what propelled me back into my religious faith um, and going to church with her, and her mom every Sunday. And then we moved down. We got in, we got married in the Catholic Church, and they make you go through the classes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But it still wasn't real for me. I moved down to Dallas, we moved down to Dallas, and I was like, I want to experience, I experienced this with my family, Mm -hmm. I experienced this for your family, but I never experienced it on my own. So during that time, I was like, we're going to church every Sunday, but I'm still not, I'm doing it for you. When I started going to church on my own without her, and then I said, I wanted to dive more into, you know, we're Catholics, because that's what, you know, she did, that's what her family did, Mm -hmm. but I want to learn more about this faith. And then I started going to church on my own. And then I started going to the classes. And then I started going through the faith. And then I got baptized on my own. Mm. And that's when I said, okay, now I understand why we do it. And now, you know, just even with our daughter, yeah, we go to church every Sunday, which is fantastic. But one thing we do every night is we pray together as a family. You know, we eat together, um, you know, Mm. breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm. And I think that goes back to just my spirituality and believing in the family dynamic. So. Um, to answer your question, it really came down to me being an adult and deciding I want to do this on my own versus for someone else.
2: Yeah, that's dope, man. And how much, of, how much of that do you feel like um, played into, you know, um, some of the prompts that you had about money and like and your success, right? Which I, I definitely want to get into because you have a pretty successful business. Like, how much did faith play in, you know, a role in in, in that? You know, that's part good, of it. Good question. I would say most of it.
0: We, when we were going through our debt freedom journey, when we were like, all right, we got $114,000 of debt that we want to pay off. We were still tithing during that time too. Mm. And most of the time it's like, well, you don't tithe, you take that money and you you put it Gross. into your debt or investment savings. But that was off the top. It's like, yo, we still got it. We still got to keep this going. So during that time we were, I was becoming, um, I was going through my Catholic journey. We were still trying to pay off this debt and I was still tithing. And it made it a little bit more difficult, but I believe that it's going to come back. And it's funny, it always came back <laughs> tenfold. You got you got the bonus, you got the windfalls, you got the like it. It always came back, and it never felt like, oh, I'm giving my money away, to, and I'm never going to see a return. Now, you don't do it to see a return, right? But you do know that it's going to come back to you in some way, shape, or form, whether it's monetary, whether it's family, whether it's you know faith or whatever. So. It did pay. It it does play a huge part to this day. Um, so we still tithe. We still donate to our churches. Um, even back in Brooklyn, our we got married in Brooklyn. Even though we're still we we're in Dallas for seven years, we still donate to our church back in Brooklyn when it, when they're doing something big or whether they're not, we're still giving back because that's just where we came from, and we know that that played a huge part in our journey, mm. and we'll
1: continue to do so. You mentioned um, traditions that you didn't call it a tradition, but things that are important to you in terms of family eating together, praying together. And you said we eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner together. Um, I'm not saying that's a flex, but that is a that is a luxury that most don't experience. And what mm-hmm. I'm going with it is, when I think of wealth and what this series is about, it's not about a dollar amount per se. It's about a lifestyle. It's about you achieving the things and having um, what you want out of life and the ability to enjoy it. So I'm framing the question, like, what, what does wealth mean to you whether it's financial or the non-monetary things that kind of holistically define what's wealthy for you.
0: It's funny you said that because when you first mentioned the topic of, of the journey of, of what we're, we're recording here and you mentioned these big names and I'm like, I'm not nowhere near, you know, where some of them are, you know, financially. But when I look at my family, what we're doing, I'm like, we're wealthy for that reason. And I had to be reminded of that literally this week. It was, it was a horrible week. Um, not, Relative speaking, right? You know, you have ups and downs in business, but it was a, it was a bad week, not horrible. Let me rephrase that. And my, I have these these uh, gratitude calls. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of my one of my associates, you know, one of my sales guys. He's always he always starts a conversation like, "What are you grateful for?" Mm-hmm. Every conversation. Good morning, you know, blah blah blah. What are you grateful for? And I said, "It's funny you asked that. I had to think about it." And I was saying that I this morning my daughter was sick, and I was able to hold her. It was like seven, seven thirty in the morning. I held her for about 10, 15 minutes. Mm. And I was and he he was like, and he was like, I was like, that's what I was grateful for. And he's like, Do you know if you had to go into an office mm. for someone else, you wouldn't have been able to do that? Be sick.
1: <laughs> sick to your stomach.
2: He's
0: like, Your daughter's home, you know, she's sick, you can't do anything about it. He's like, You were able to hold hold your daughter for 10, 15 minutes this morning without even having to rush anywhere. And that reframed. Back to your question, like, what does wealth mean to me? And that's one of those examples of, you know, being wealthy, being able to spend time Mm. with the people I love when they truly need it. Um, So to answer your question, that's exactly, you know, one of the the things it means to me. And Mm -hmm. when I heard that, I was like, this is the best feeling in the world. Mm. And it's not about the finances. It is about the finances, but
1: it is more about what you're able to do with the people you love. Mm -hmm. I just want to for one second. Becoming a father... How did that shift your mindset, mm. if at all? <laughs> Some people say becoming a father makes them
0: grow more. For me, it was like it made me settle down a lot. I, I don't want to say I got lazy, but you realize there's so much, so many more important things out there in this world, man. And to even go back a step, you know, with father before fatherhood, I lost my best friend. Um, we worked together for nine years. I hired him in my job. Under me, um, he passed um, for sick, from sickle cell. Mm. And during the pandemic, there's nothing we could do about it. Uh, and I lost him. It was like, just like that. During the pandemic, everybody's losing people. And this was my best friend for decades. Best friend of my wedding. You know, mm. we lived roommates together. I brought him down to Dallas. I, I sent him over to London um, to manage that office. So we had such a close relationship. And I was like, we hired his replacement at the job because I had to. Not... And I want to make I want to reframe this just in case this goes viral or anything like that. We we because the position was vacant, so we yeah. had, eventually had to hire somebody. Yeah. And we did it the right way. You know, we put a we, we did a, um put something in his honor, stuff like that. But we eventually had to replace him. And that just reminded me, life is just too short, man. Yeah. So going back to the question about what did fatherhood do for me, it made me realize that a lot of stuff, other stuff is not that important. Um, hmm. So I try to spend as much time as possible with my, with my my wife, my my daughter, and. Yeah, I know you see those entrepreneurs who are like always traveling and always grinding, but it's like we're doing all this work. To sp- we're doing all this work. We're making all this money. Isn't the goal to, to do this for our family? A lot of times, that's all they want is a time, right? <laughs> a lot of the times, they just mm-hmm. want to be there with you. So, my wife reminds me of that all the time. It's like, Anthony, like, we don't have to go do that. We don't have to do this. And I'm just like, sitting down, and just being present is just very important to me. And that's something I'm still learning
2: oh. um, through fatherhood. Do you, and that's a good, I'm glad you asked that first, because this clarified my question. I was coming back with next is, do you feel like? I try to spend as much time
0: as possible with my with my, my wife, my my daughter. And, and I know you see those entrepreneurs who are like always traveling, always grinding, but it's like, we're doing all this work. To, we're doing
2: all this work. We're making all this money. Isn't the goal to, to do this for our family? That mindset, that change of pace, if you will. Has made you an even better entrepreneur, right? Meaning, because because normally you would think, well, if you slow down, that means less money. But have you actually found that it might have meant more money? Yeah, in different
0: in different seasons. Um, I think for me, it meant that I don't have to do as much. I, sh- I probably shouldn't do as much. So, and mm. to answer your question, it made me a better entrepreneur because I recognize that I can't do everything myself, and I don't want to do everything myself. So, right now, we're going through seasons of finding people to replace some of the tasks that I'm doing. Um, finding people to, to, to help us. And that's one of the things we aren't shy about asking. It's like, we need help to do mm. something. We're going to find a coach. We're going to find a mentor. We're going to find somebody to help us get to the goals. So it just—it was just about me more intentional with in my time and figuring out, you know, who do I need to help me do what, whatever the goal is during that time.
1: Got it. Man, that that asking for help is um is a challenge for me just, but, <laughs> just because that's kind of who I am. I mentioned it in another conversation is, like when I get around genius, I don't necessarily initially asked how you did it, I'm like, hmm, watch me be genius too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then and then less, not even about comparison. Like mm-hmm. you don't even know we're in competition. But in my head, I kind of do that. Have you always been open? And and you and, your, you and your wife are in business together, at least in one or two businesses, correct? All of our businesses. All of your businesses together. Uh, if 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 you're at Liberty to, can you talk about the dynamic of background and how that shaped? how you do business. Did you yeah. come in with a thought that was this and she came in a thought that was this? Not that either are wrong. They're yeah. just different. How do you how do you negotiate or manage that?
0: That's that's a really good one. So all the all the ideas I had, all of the businesses that we've started or things we've done has been has been from my head. Um but the the the, the dynamic that makes it perfect for us is that she'll come in and she'll add a, a layer of complexity to it that I didn't think about. She's like, uh eh, well Anthony, did you Tony, did you really think about that? I was like, nah. I saw it on Instagram, or yeah, I want to add this. <laughs> com- I want to hire this person. She's like, did you really think about it? And then it makes me sit down and ponder. all right, what do I need? What pieces do we need to put in place to make that happen? And a lot of times, she's like, "That's we should probably shouldn't do that in this season of life." And like with the debt freedom was one where it was my idea to do, and I had to let her sit on it. It was like, you know, this is what we're gonna do as a family. Sometimes as a as a husband, I feel like we have to make the decision of the household. Like, this is what we're gonna do. Yeah. Um. But she came to the compromise on her own. When you moved to Dallas, I was like, you know, this is what we're going to do as a family. I understand it's hard, but I have to let you, I have to plant the seed and let you hmm. come around to it. Gotcha. So even with business, sometimes I'll plant the seed and, and you know, she'll come around to it and she'll come with her own ideas to it. So um, everything we do is, is together, but the, that dynamic where she's always challenging me allows us to figure out, you know, how we need to go about it. And then with her mental, she, she's a mental health counselor. She's been a therapist for- I don't know how long. That also plays a big part mm-hmm. into our conversations where she may not be analyzing what I'm saying, but she's analyzing what she
1: needs to, to make sure we, have make, it the right, we, make, we make the right decision as a family. I wanna tap into that, uh, but first we're gonna hear from my sponsor, will be Right Black.
2: If you wanna hit a home run, you have to be invested in something that you fully believe in. And that even though it's relatively immature today, you you see where it's going you believe in it, you commit your capital, and you allow it time to mature. This episode is sponsored by the Wealth Building Made Simple Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and every other major podcasting platform.
1: And we're black. Uh, we were just talking about the pros. Well, we hadn't even really got to it. You were, you were telling us about your, your wife being a counselor. Mm-hmm. Um my wife thinks she's a counselor. <laughs> don't they all? <laughs> I, control, <laughs> I control the edit, so I'll see how I feel about that in a couple weeks. But no, in, in all seriousness, what are pros and pros? I don't mm-hmm. want to go with cons, but what are the pros of having that perspective in your home and in your business? I would say the biggest pro is you always,
0: when you have a business partner or anyone in your business, a lot of times you can't trust people because they mm-hmm. might have alternative ulterior motives. They, they're, they're going through their own stuff outside of what you guys are going through. I think one of the biggest pros for us is that we know what we're going through. We know that there's always a, a a push for the family. It's not about me. It's not about her. It's a push for the family. So there is nobody in the background saying, oh, Anthony, you need more Sean than her. We do all of our podcasts together. We have our own podcast that we do together. and Then there are podcasts that she does on her own and there are shows that I do on my own. And it's always a narrative to continue to share what we're doing, but then also pushing our people forward. Yep. So I think as long as we have that in the back of our minds, there's, there's, for me, I would rather have my wife as a business partner than anyone else in the world because I, I'm more of a trusting individual. Like you told me to come here, I'm like I'm coming. <laughs> Boy, <shut laughs> up. I, I was like I'm coming. She was <laughs> like, do you know them? Do you know what they show is about? I'm like, yo, he asked for a favor. Yo, know, we gonna show. Up. We gonna get this yeah. done. Like I don't see any issue with it. She's like, well, what if I, I'm like it's. It's the narrative that I, that I would want to be on. is yeah. the narrative that our family needs to be on. So there was no conversations there from my side, but from her, you see the questions she's yeah, asking. Yeah. So you were going to ask the cons. <laughs> so that would be some of the, the, the challenges as well, where you have your wife involved with everything, right? Mm-hmm. So there was never really a turn off of what we're doing. Yeah. There's never really a a we're, we're at dinner we'll, we'll be quiet because it's something we think my business so we should be sitting there, anthony don't say it like don't don't do it like today we're gonna we, this is a family day no business no you no know, nothing so that's that would probably be the biggest challenge no one wanted to turn it off yeah um especially for me because for her she'll turn up what we we'll bought last night we we're watching what the heck were we watching on tv uh we were watching some show we were watching a show called "The Bear" on Netflix or something like that, mm. about this guy who opened up a restaurant. Um, He's been an entrepreneur for a while. He opened a rest, restaurant, and his brother he came and took over his brother's restaurant. So I'm thinking about all the business things that we could talk about during the podcast and stuff like that. And she's like,
2: Anthony, just, just watch my, the show. Let's
0: watch the show. <laughs> she's like, shut the hell up. Let's watch the show. Yeah. So and even with Housewives, I do that a lot too. I'm
2: like this. There's a business part of this show that I mm-hmm. like and enjoy, mm-hmm. and she's like, I'm not watching it for that. How, how do how do you? Um because it sounds like both of y'all have really strong uh, personalities that complement each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm asking this perspective for, for ladies and for men, mm-hmm. because I feel like, um, we had, a, we, we had a guest before and we talked about his daughter's going to grow up and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, be like your wife, strong-minded, strong, minded, strong, will ask questions that, to a, a man that doesn't have as strong of a mind as you might take as a threat, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, which will cause issues. So like, what do you do or, or how do you think you develop to be able to, um, for lack of a better words, handle the pressure from a strong-minded woman that may put pressure on what you don't understand and you have to maintain patience, yeah, right? As you help her manage through that pressure
0: yeah that's that's a that's a good one.
2: So <laughs> my wife is
0: very strong minded and you would have to know her mother and you'd have to know her grandmother <laughs> to understand how this dynamic works and I've been in I've been involved in everything we grew up in the same building so we grew up together uh, literally okay. from twelve years old i'm thirty 37 now so we've known each other since we were hmm. preteens. So to understand her, you have to understand her mother. And then when I've met her grandmother, I said, understand her mother. So it's very challenging when you have two people who are very strong-willed come together. But I think the beauty is that we've known each other for so long, we've seen each other develop into who we are today. Mm. So it's not like we came into a situation where it's like, oh, you're strong-minded, you're strong-willed, and I'm strong-willed. We'll try to figure this out together. It's like we grew into each other's lives together. So even when I came back from college... I was a slightly different person that she knew. Um, You know, I was more, I went away to college and she kind of stayed near back in in Long Island. I went upstate. So when I came back, I was around a lot more different. I was a lot more varieties of people, black, white, Asian, you know, different types of people. So when I came back, she's like, oh, he's a little bit different. He understands himself a little more." And she recognized that too. She's like, he's a lot more outspoken. Because when I left, I was probably, you know, a lot more quiet, more reserved. Mm. So when I came back, she's like, okay, he's changed over these years. Now, how do we, how do we make this work? And I think through the years, I think we've been able to develop and grow together. So that's one of the, the extreme benefits for us. Now, for a man and a woman who are coming together and they're, they've known they don't know each other from a hole in the wall and they're trying to figure this out, I would say for me, I would love to have. I would love to have a woman. We was on our our podcast, uh, our coach's podcast the other day, and she's a very strong-willed person, Donnie. Donnie, <laughs> and I said. You were, this is how her and my wife got together and they've, they've, they've been able to click so quickly because I knew that Donnie would be good for my wife. And that's how I come into this relationship and we, how we make this work from a, a business standpoint. So when I see a woman who's very strong-willed, I find that attractive. I'm like, this is mm-hmm. the type of woman you want your, your, kids to, to, your daughter to model after. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I find that to be a, a very attractive um, trait for a woman to have. For a man who's not comfortable with himself, um, <laughs> you really can't fix it. You got <laughs> you to gotta, you gotta fix that yourself, bro. But <laughs> for me, I, I found that to be very attractive early on. Now, I've dated women who allow me to, let me make yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I've dated women who, you know, where it wasn't a good fit, right? Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I understand you know, what we're doing here. Um, but when my wife came back into my life, I said, okay, this is different than what I'm yeah. used to. I was like, oh, okay. We have to figure this. We're figuring this out together. Okay, you can't do that like you used to do. Okay, check in here. So now I'm understanding. Oh, this is different. I like yeah. this. So I think for me, that was one of the biggest um, turn-ons about our relationship
1: and my attraction to her. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you, uh, like you, you, you respect standards. Yeah. What what role does standards play in your house and your business and kind of like structuring and framing out how you generate wealth?
0: Yeah. So hmm. I think for us, with us being a husband, wife combo and business, sometimes it could be, you would think there's, you would think there's blurred blur lines here, but we're never in a position where we're arguing about when we're debating things on a, on a, with our, with our company or our teams, they know it's, it's not, it's not a relationship. This is all business. And we right. keep it that way. Very, very intentionally. We don't ever allow our personal lives to, even if we just had an argument personally before we hop on a podcast together. You won't see that on the podcast. Have a, I don't want to do this, yeah. and you didn't do that, and dishes is not done. That's the type of stuff we argue about. It's like, oh, here we go. Now we got to record a whole hour episode about a podcast about being in love and relationships, right. and and it does bleed out. But it's we do it intentionally sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to business, we make sure we're very intentional about leaving home and home in business we we make sure we bring business to business to the table so like going back to the conversation around dinner her standard is when we're at dinner and i don't want to talk about business even if you want to talk about it we're not going to talk about it we talk about it all day so we have very strict standards when it comes to our business and our personal lives and we try to keep them separate but obviously it's going to bleed over a lot so that's how we maintain our standards in our relationship and then also in business dope dope
1: dope you um did you have something no, no, go ahead. I'm super interested. So you gotta yeah, pull go pull me back. No, no go ahead. Man. Um, I want I want to get into your uh, your clean. And I don't even want to forgive me how I frame it. Your your cleaning biz, business empire. I'll say that right because because <laughs> I don't, I don't want to make sure I frame it the right way. But when the the business, okay, let me put it this way: the business that I found you through, mm-hmm. right through through the algorithm mm-hmm. showing up as that, right? Um, when you guys started that business, which number of business was that for you? Because you said you own some things and then it, I, I want to talk about why this one stuck or did the other stick as well? Mm-hmm. Like was this, is this, to me, my ignorance seems like this is the one that catapulted. Mm. and maybe that's not that's
0: the that's the way the algorithm frame. makes it seem okay but this act our cleaning business that we actually so we own a actual cleaning business and then we also teach people how to start their own cleaning businesses as well so that's that's the educational side yeah. but the educational side is probably what you see more about because that's that's a sexy that's what everyone sees that's what everyone's talking about but the actual business where you know our team are going out and cleaning homes that was literally our first business so Yes, it was a business that stuck, but it was our first business and we recognized that it had some potential. So it it was something that didn't have anything to do with our brand, our face, our name. And most people don't even know we actually own a, a physical cleaning business, which is the way we want to keep it. So that's one of the reasons why it has stuck for us. Um, it has nothing to do with our Hartrimony brand or the podcast. We don't got a TikTok. We don't have to do none of that. So that was our first business. And that's the one that, Seem like it's stuck because that's the one that you know people know us for. Mm. Um, first, it was our debt freedom journey, but people started asking, How did you guys actually start building wealth outside of paying off your debt? And mm. one of the parts of our story was that cleaning business. Now it's gotcha. the main part of our story, but when we first started it seven years ago, it was just a small part of our story.
1: Gotcha,
2: and, and, and that cleaning business because now I'm because I have a couple of friends who started it, but like, what uh, and we're going to direct folks to your podcast mm-hmm. to get the specific details. But like in that business, are you doing homes, commercial, Airbnbs? Like, you know, who who are who are some of the clients you work with in the cleaning business?
0: Yeah. So when we started, it was just us trying to figure out everything. It was like, yo, we don't know nothing about business. This is our first business. We don't know anything about business. And we were just trying to figure it out. So to answer your question, we've tried everything. Um, We've stuck with residential the most because- We found that's the easiest to hire for because it's certain qualifications that you need for commercial. Airbnbs, we tried it and we absolutely hated it because Mm. most people who own Airbnbs and they have a cleaner, they're just looking for the cheapest service possible. Mm. And we're we're not the cheapest service possible. But then also Airbnb owners want you to actually manage their business. They want you to come in They want you to take pictures. They want you to let let them know when the Wi-Fi is out. And they want you to stock the supplies. And I was like, no, that's a property manager. But you don't want to pay two fees. You just want to pay the the cleaning (laughs) fee. So we've tried everything, but we've mainly focused on on residential only because that was the easiest for us to keep going. And it was the one that we said we like dealing with those type of clients the most. So that was the only reason. It wasn't like a a thing that we kind of like, oh, well, commercial pays more or Airbnb. It was like, no, we just like this because of clientele. But then also we had nine to five jobs. So with commercial, a lot of times you have to clean outside of ours. That means we would have to be available for phone calls or issues. Um, With us having nine to five jobs while running this cleaning business, it was like, well, we can still, it's during the day. We can answer the phone if necessary. We can text people if necessary. If there's an issue, we could hop off our jobs and go to the bathroom, answer it. Um, So that's kind of the reason why we stuck with residential. But there was really no rhyme or reason when we first started. It was Mm -hmm. just us just trying to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing that we said we liked the most.
1: Mm. So you mentioned um the... the race to the bottom when it comes to um the uh the Airbnb nowadays mm-hmm. uh, what the cheapest. What 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 is your I guess what what is the stamp of your business? Like what if you're not the cheapest, good, fast, cheap, right? Pick two. Mm-hmm. Like what, what's kind of the the principal thing that people get consistently when they deal with your business? What is your business known for? So we started it. In
0: 2017, and the reason we started it then, again, around a debt freedom journey. But in order for us to find a business to come clean our home, we had to call them, we had to text them, we had to email them, they would get back to you, they had to come out and quote your spot. And I was like, there got to be something, there has to be a more efficient way to do this. But this is before where it is. Now everybody's doing it today. But in 2016, 2017, we implemented that you could find us online, you could book us online, you could estimate online, you could pay us online. Hmm. We don't even have to see you or talk to you. And we was like, if we could get these people to do this stuff, then we would. Our lawn care guy today still leaves invoices on our door. I got to sell him the money for. <laughs> he has to text me, "Oh, I'm coming out tomorrow." And it's like, there it got to be something more efficient. <laughs> right. You realize a lot of local service businesses today are coming into times. So that was one of the things that we really stuck on early on, and a lot of our early reviews was I found them online, I booked them, and they showed up when they said they were going to show up. It was convenient for people. Like we have nine to five jobs, you know, we want to. A lot of people were showing up late. So we said, all right, if we give them an arrival window between 8 to 10 on Saturday, we'll arrive within that time, most people are going to be happy because they're used to it from their cable guy or, you know, all these other services. But what was happening was, you know, they would have to, oh, I'm running late or I'm texting you late. So we gave, we was like, if we give them an arrival window and if we could get there between that arrival window, we'll be good. They booked us online. They called us. they, They, you know, we got them. We're good now. So those are some of the things that we did early on to kind of beat the competition if you will but even 2023 today there are still a lot of businesses and people think oh the market is oversaturated but if you go on google you look at some of these websites some of these platforms they don't have the ability to to find you online you can't book them you can't pay them they still got to come out they still got to text you They still gotta it's like so many things and nuances that people are still dealing with today that we
2: were able to solve back in 2017 mm. so those are some of the things that made us stand out early on awesome. yeah man when you're talking two two questions came to mind if, if it hasn't happened I'm pretty sure we'll have, have y'all started getting uh, uh, approached by money to just do that for other home services? Because it's a no brainer Mm -hmm. for y'all to just do that for lawn care. It means it's, you know what I'm saying? It's the same process of setting up the site Mm -hmm. and just going through each of the home services and digitaling it out. (laughs) So the challenge with them is that
0: they don't really know. Um, from a perspective of what they need and what they don't need so it would be a lot of us going out and finding them so now we find cleaning businesses where mm. they're like i've been cleaning my whole life and i don't have a website i don't have a booking platform so now we do it for them because they're coming up to the times but a lot of them don't even know like mm-hmm. my long guy he doesn't know that there's a better way to do this he's like he doesn't know how to figure it out right. um even just my one of my instructors from another local service business right she's like well oh, after every lesson you um, you sell me. I was like, you know, we could just set up auto pay for this, right? They don't even know what yeah. they're missing because I'll forget to pay you, and now a week later, hey, Anthony, you didn't pay me. So they're still figuring this out on their own. So it'll be a lot of us reaching out to them, but a lot of cleaning businesses, a lot of cleaning business owners are recognizing. That they do need help. Mm. Um, in entrepreneurship, a lot of times we're just trying to figure this out alone. We're not like, oh, I need help. But for us, it's like we're reaching out to everyone for help because we know there's a better way to do this stuff. But for them, it's like I've been doing this for 15, 20 years. What do you know? I talk to cleaning business owners all the time. And it's like, I've been doing this longer than you were you've been born. I was like, I'm not saying that, you know, I can't learn from you, but if you know there's a more efficient way to do something, you know, why not just take the advice? And I was on the phone with this, this lady, and she by the end of the call, she was like, Anthony, I know that. I know that there's a better way to do it, but I don't think I'll be able to get there, you know, before my time is up. Mm. She was an old lady. She's like, I've been doing this 30 years. You know, my back is going out. There's no succession plan for me at this point. And she's like, I know there's a better way, but I don't think I have the ability to to do what you're, you're, mm. you're willing to help me with. And I was like, y- you're probably right. And I had to recognize that. So mm. a lot of them just, they may know they need help. They just don't know where to go or they just too stubborn.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hmm. So I got I got some uh some clarity in this conversation because it which makes perfect sense now the harmony is what I followed the story, the pieces of the story is what I caught so I don't mm-hmm. think I I think I was tying the harmony kind of like a, a, as a monolith to this cleaning empire. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about what the heartrimony is yeah. and like what that passion represents. Yeah. So the Hartrimony is literally a, pl-
0: so the Hartrimony is our, our brand. It, w- it was funny because it was our hashtag for our wedding and mm. we was we was giving out to friends and family. What's a dope hashtag? Cause everybody had, this was when Snapchat was coming around. It was like, all right. Everybody's doing hashtags and locations. Now It's like, Oh, I'm older, but whatever. We couldn't think of anything. And I literally took heartrimony from, Last name, our last name is Hartzog and Hartrimony from matrimony. So I said, the Hartrimony (laughs) is our wedding hashtag. And it's funny because it was so dope. We started our Instagram page just from sharing our journey, just being in Dallas as newly was going through this financial and our first year trying to figure out life. And it's become this this brand that we didn't even think about, you know, seven years ago where now we're talking about financial literacy. Now we're sharing our businesses. They, They know our daughter so. The trimony was literally just a hashtag at our, our, for our wedding, but now it's literally our, pretty much our holding company's name, you know, harmony. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know that that would be, it would be that today. Yes. So the cleaning business was a, just one of the businesses from quote unquote, the harmony, which is me and my wife. Um, and then we have our virtual assistant business and then we have real estate and we have other structures, but literally the harmony was literally just a hashtag that we said, it sounds good on paper. And it looked good as a hashtag on Instagram back then. Yeah. That's dope.
1: I wanna um start to kind of round out the conversation um and refocusing on what wealth means. We talked about the time component, mm-hmm. but as you as you're considering your family as you do moment by moment, day by day, from a um a longer term perspective, how how does what is what does wealth mean to you and your family?
0: Yeah, so when we when going back to the question about you know entrepreneurship, and when we when we had our daughter, before we had our daughter, uh, my wife's grandfather gave her a thousand dollars, and he's like, I don't know if I'm gonna be here. This is a couple years ago, probably like five years ago. Said, I don't know if I'm gonna be here. Is I am going to be because i do not know when you guys are planning on having kids, but he said if I am here, I would like you guys to do something with this thousand dollars for you know our daughter that wasn't born yet, hmm. and. I was like, oh, let's put it to debt. <laughs> I was like, let's just throw it to debt. <laughs> My wife was like, no, because you throw it to debt, it will have no symbolic meaning to it. Yeah. So we took that thousand dollars, and what we did was we opened up our pretty much our daughter's um, savings account, and we said before our daughter was born, we said we will put money into this account every single month until she's born, and then when she's born, we're gonna invest it into a, a Roth IRA for her. Now you know she's a component of our business. She's yeah. on the media and. Branding and all of that, like Pushed other the cool P stuff. Tour. Yeah. All that other cool <laughs> yeah. stuff that people talking about on Instagram. But that was the first understanding of what this means beyond us. And yeah. we weren't thinking about it then. It was just him saying, Hey, whenever you guys have a kid, you do he's like, you do this with whatever you want. But he's like, if you have a kid, do something with this money. He's still around to this day. And we got pictures. He's he just turned ninety, literally. Both her grandparents are ninety, just turned ninety this year. Um she's been able to take pictures with him and we always tell him that story, like that thousand dollars you gave us, now it's We've been so a few going back to your original question. I don't want to get too far off back, off topic because this all to me yeah. is what this this long term wealth strategy is for us. But thinking beyond just us today, right? So having a foundation for our daughter, literally going back to our church, our tithing, that's in our daughter's name. So now we invest the the tithes from our our personal finances to our churches from our daughter's from our daughter's name. I'm having her on the businesses. She's on our trust. She's on our estate. Um, now we're at the point where we're recognizing that we haven't had a, pretty much a, a, an estate meeting with our family. So my wife's mom is on our estate planning, um, and also in our trust and as well as her, her cousin. So now we're at the point where we need to sit down and start talking about these things. All right. We got, you know, a couple properties. We got a couple businesses. So this is now it's becoming more serious to us yeah. because you could pass away today and have nothing. So life mm-hmm. insurance, we have a life insurance policy on her. We have life insurance on me, uh, my wife as well. So having these conversations beyond us, um, growing up, I talk to my mother now all the time, like you don't have a, you don't have life insurance. What happens when you pass? It's going to fall on me. I'm the oldest of three kids. Mm. I'm going to have to come out my family's pocket to pay for God. You know, my mother's still here. She is healthy. God forbid. But I'm having a very intentional, serious conversation. You don't understand how this impacts me and my family at this point by you not having life insurance. Now, it's not about me taking the money, I don't care about the money, but I want you to be able to cover yourself because now I got a grief, my wife has to deal with my grief, and then now we got to come out our family's pocket to deal right. mm-hmm. with the planning because black people, we don't talk about this shit. Like, excuse me, we don't talk about this No, stuff. No, no, mm. and I, get, I get real passionate when we have these conversations because I'm currently having this conversation with my family. My, my wife's mom, we had a conversation where, where is, what happens when you pass? Who has access to your life? Who has access to your bank accounts? Who has access to everything that you have? Mm-hmm. Because her grandfather, her actual father gave her that conversation. But she's, they've been too afraid. Our black, you know, families have been too afraid to discuss mm-hmm. what happens when I die. One of the first things me and my wife did, we had Alani, what happens when we die? One of the mm-hmm. first things we did. So going back to wealth and the wealth building topic, those are conversations we're having now to figure out what happens when we die. What does this look like? She's not. She's not gonna want to own a cleaning business. Which I know for a fact. I, I know for a fact she's not gonna own a cleaning business. But she's going to want to partake in what the cleaning business has given us. So whether that's a sell, what does selling this business look like? It's not attached to our our brand. Not attached attached to our likeness. We want to sell it. We have an operations manager. We got a team in place. That's good to go. Mm-hmm. So those are things that we're currently having intentional conversations about. What does it look like after we're not here?
1: Yeah, and I, and I don't I don't want to rush that part of the conversation at all uh, because. I am coming to the realization as seeing my my parents lose their their mothers. I never met a grandfather, but seeing my dad lose his mom and then my mom lose her mom within the span of two, two and a half years, it started to hit me that the expectation of me may be what the expectation of them was, right? And there wasn't a lot of financial education. Mm -hmm. So it was the generation, the, the living generation taking care of the passing generation when it's supposed to be kind of reversed, at least in terms of giving the starting point. So um, how did you and your wife approach those conversations? Because, and I'm asking this selfishly because these are conversations we need to have that quite honestly, I've been embarrassed to have because I haven't structured my life the way that I see it in my head, right? Mm -hmm. And I I think I'm trying to chase this point where I got to figure it out. Now let's sit everybody down, but that's not how life works. No. So having these intentional conversations, what was it like for you and your wife to get on the same page? Was it fairly easy? Was it, and I'm not trying to dig into your business, but just perspective selfishly, but I think it also helped. And the purpose of your question, very, you know, I
0: understand that. And it's going to be different for everyone, but I think we should be having these conversations a lot more. And for us, I would say, it wasn't the easiest conversation to sit down and talk to my wife about her mother when my mother's not doing it. Right. So hmm. I'm, but she sees me intentionally having the conversation with my mother. Cause I can't have the, con- well now I, we have the conversation with her mother, but it took me sitting in my seat saying, Hey mom, you have to have life insurance. Why? Because when you die, it's going to impact my family. And not from a selfish way, but in a, I have to deal, again, going back to the grief, I have to deal with that and then also have to deal with the finances of that. So it took me, like you mentioned, having your ducks in a row, it took me intentionally having those conversations before I could go to my wife and say, you need to have these conversations with your mother Mm. because it's going to happen. And in our our communities, we feel like we are never going to die. (laughs) (laughs) We are never going to die. My... You know, Lord um RIP to my, my my cousin's baby's father, but he he was he was killed mm. and he had two kids and she's a single mom. And I was like, damn. And I asked my wife, I was like, You think they got life insurance? And she was like, Tony, you know they don't. And I was like, I said, why she's like, I said, Why would you think I why would you think that I I would know that? She's like, You just we don't you just know we don't talk about yeah. that stuff. Then the question always becomes, why don't we talk about it? Mm-hmm. Um, so, going back to your original question, it wasn't the easiest to have the conversation about death. And I don't think anyone wants to sit here and talk mm-hmm. about death. Um, but it does happen, right? People die every yeah. single day. The stats mm-hmm. show it. Only thing guaranteed in life is taxes and, and dying. Yeah. So, we know that. So, we know we're going to die one day. What does it look like after you die? And I was literally listening to a podcast and I forgot what the young lady's name was. And she said, if your family, if you had to watch a movie, about how your death played out what would that movie look like like Ooh. she's like vividly picture after you die what would that movie look like there has to be a funeral there's going to be expenses there's going to be grief there's going to be mourning what does that look like in terms of you're no longer can you sit and watch it would you be happy with the movie would you be sad would you be upset and literally after that conversation after we listened to that podcast and i told my wife like yo we gotta have this sit down family meeting because yes we got our ducks in a row. But our family doesn't know that we have our ducks in a row. It's like, we got mm-hmm. your name down. We having a conversation, but they don't physically yeah, know what needs to be done. So it's not an easy conversation, but it's a conversation that we need to have. And, and your perspective, you know, you're not going to have it all together. My wife, yeah. my mom, I, don't, I still don't know if she has life insurance or not. Like, but I'm still having an ongoing conversation. Now I'm, I'm talking to my brothers about what happens if mom dies, what happens when with, with her apartment, who stays there, who pays the rent. Like do we all chip in and pay the rest or so somebody we could keep the, keep it in the family or do we sell it? It's going to happen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> we know it's gonna happen. Yeah. So I think we just have to be we have to be intentional. Um and especially in our community, we we have to be forceful with the conversation. It has to keep happening. Because if you don't, we're just gonna
1: cre- create the same cycles that we've been living through. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's real. Man, um the time is the time has been well spent. Uh Aunt, you said I can call you aunt, right? Yeah, you go, cool. man. Yeah. Yeah, We're we we friends now. We're good. <laughs> We're <in there>. no, <laughs> no, seriously, man. I appreciate your conversation. I appreciate your transparency. Um, for people that are looking to find you, connect with you and your wife, how can they do so? Yeah, so they can check us out at the
0: heartrimony. So T H E H A R T R I M O N Y on all platforms. You could Google us um, and yeah, just connect what
1: is there. Cool, cool. All that information will be uh, available below, no matter how you send this, whether it's a clip or the long form, it'll all be there. Um, we appreciate your time and interest in this conversation. Any closing remarks?
2: No, man, I'm just, I enjoyed the conversation. You know, I felt like when we got in the last part, I was like, man, this can be like a whole episode because, you know, uh, wealth management and estate planning is, yeah, is uh, yeah. You, you said it all. Thank you guys
1: for having me. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, That'll do it. We appreciate you guys. God bless you. Peace.